Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be Rich people really honestly believe that because they were so wealthy, that means God loved them more. So imagine the eyebrows that were raised when Peter said this and when he wrote that God judges without partiality. I bet you the people in prominent positions went, oh, what? How dare you? I think this was very encouraging to many of the poor believers in Peter's audience that may have just realized for the first time that maybe they thought, hey, you know what? Spreading the gospel is worth it, even for me. Maybe you don't have a lot of stuff, and you think, well, I can't be as an effective of a Christian. No, you are very effective. God has gifted all of you with specific things to be able to share the gospel of Jesus with people that you know. You have gifts that I don't have. I used to find that hard to believe. I thought the pastors were the, were the top. They had all the gifts for everything. No, we don't. You've got gifts I don't have. Guys, it doesn't matter your stature in culture. God judges all impartially. It's worth it for all of us to do this gospel work. I hope you're excited about this. Whatever gospel work you do here on earth, it is eternal. It is eternal reward that goes with you past the grave. It's amazing. For us today, calling ourselves a Christian, that's a very easy thing to do. Calling yourself Christian is easy. We have a long history, thousands of years. We've got established churches all over the world. But back then, there was not. There was not a lot of churches. It was, Christianity was a brand new thing. And I think a lot of the poor people that were in the very early church, they were finding it very hard to go out with this new stuff that people hadn't heard, this new message, because it was different to what everybody always thought. It was weird to people. It was a new belief system, and it ruffled a lot of people's feathers. You go around talking that God judges impartially. The bigwigs that have all the power and all the money are going to get so mad at you and think that you're denouncing them. But, you know, guys, that, that's just exactly the way it is. It is not based on money. And so the, the people were poor. You had the rich people saying, no, God doesn't love you. He loves me because I've got the money to prove it. Now, imagine being in the first century church trying to go out with this message telling everybody can be saved with the rich people trying to stop you, trying to charge you more money to buy products or charge more money for your rent or threatening to take your house away. And you're just this poor guy trying to go out, well, hey, well, everybody can be saved. And the rich guy goes, no, I don't believe in that. I'm going to shut you down. But guys, if it took money to buy your way into heaven, then the rich could have something to brag about. But Peter said, we're not bought back by money. You are not bought for eternal life by your money. Some of you in here are thinking, I have almost no money at all in my bank account. It has nothing to do with money. You came in here with no money. 
God bless you that you came. You're just as saved as any one of us if Jesus is your Lord. So again, Peter's trying to motivate the early church. He's trying to tell them, you can do this. But I don't have enough. You can do this. But I'm not good enough. You can do this. But I'm not as good a speaker as you, Peter. But you can do this. Get, just get your head in the game. Just get in the game and focus, and you'll help the team. We'll all run together. We'll all wear the same uniform. If you're not running as fast, I'll help you. If you're not good at sprinting, I'll compensate. I'll block the guy that's trying to take you off, You know, trying to take you down. I'll help you get there. You don't have to be the fastest guy. You don't have to be the best. Where you lack, I'll help. Where I lack, you can help me. We're a team. But he's saying you can do this. Just get in the game and be encouraged. Friends, I want you to be encouraged today. I know it's hard sharing the gospel. I know it makes people hate you. But I want to encourage you to get in the game. We're all in this together. But something interesting that Peter said here is how we should conduct ourselves in fear during the time of our stay here. Conduct yourselves in fear while you're here. The way he said that, while we're here, conduct yourself in fear, that, that while you're here part sounds very temporary, doesn't it? It's like, while, while you're here, <laughs> doesn't sound like it's going to last long. And it, it's not. Life is not very long. You know, when you visit relatives, you behave yourself to the top of your politeness, don't you? Even if you have to bite on your tongue to do it. I know we all just went through Thanksgiving. We all went and ate with some people, and we had to be on our very, very, very best. And it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Uh, for some people, it's a stretch trying to maintain that high of a level, and you're on your just your best behavior. And you know how it is? It's like when you get out of your relative's place or whoever you're visiting, and you go get in the car, and you finally get to drive away, and you go, oh, like this, like finally I can let loose and just be myself, right? <laughs> get me home. <laughs> I did my best. I made it through dinner. Now get me home. Your visit didn't last long, did it? But you held yourself up the best you could for the time that you were there. Peter is saying the same things, the same thing here. He says, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Conduct yourselves in fear of the Lord while you're here. Hold it up, man. Hold it up. I know you want to flip out and go crazy. Oh, my gosh. this world. While you're here, we'll get in the car and go home soon, okay? Jesus is going to come back take us soon. But while you're here. Hold it together, man. You're afraid you're going to lose it. You come to the body of Christ and you come into my office, right? I'm about to lose it. And I'll let you lose it. Just lose it, blow up, whatever you want to do. But in front of unbelievers, while you're here, hold it together. You're being watched. Conduct yourselves during the time of your stay while you're here in fear. He's talking about a healthy fear of the Lord, knowing that God has the ability to humble us down. How many of you have been humbled down by the Lord? It hurts. It doesn't feel good. The Lord has the ability to humble us, and that's why we should live in fear with him. It's like when your parents tell you to do something because you fear them, you better do it. God tells me to do something. I do it because I have a fear of the Lord. While we're here, hold yourself together in fear of the Lord God, right? Let's conduct ourselves properly, proving who Jesus is by showing people how thankful we are that we are redeemed meaning that we have been bought out of our old conduct. Now, like in the days when people bought and sold slaves, once a slave was bought by a new owner, they didn't live in their old life anymore. They went and lived a new life somewhere else. Same with us. We should no longer be a slave to our old life. We've been bought. 
We don't have to be in that life anymore. We've been bought out. We've been taken somewhere else. And we didn't have to pay for it ourselves. It was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is shed for everybody, whether you're rich or poor. Everyone. And Peter referred to Jesus' death as a sacrifice, like a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, people back then, they understood what animal sacrifices were for. We are guilty of sin, so it takes blood because blood is life. It takes blood to wash over sin, to cover it up. And so people understand that practice back then about sacrifices. So Peter let the people know that the blood of Jesus' sacrifice is what covered their sins. And again, this would be a new concept to the people of that day. They were thinking, what, a man died? It's no longer animal sacrifice? You mean an actual, a man did it? And Peter says, yes, that was Jesus Christ that did that. He died for your sin. And it was never about how much money you had. First Peter 1 and 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Okay, friends, sin had to be paid for. If you ever go to the store and one of your kids tips something off a shelf and they break it, well, you got to pay for it. Okay, you broke it, you, you buy it. Our problem with sin was we broke it, we broke God's law, but we couldn't buy it because we don't have enough spiritual currency to do it. Sin had to be paid for, and Jesus came, said, you know what, you can't afford it, I'll pay it for you. But it had to be paid for. And while so many people falsely believed that they could buy their own way into eternal life, Peter said, no, Jesus had to do this with his plan of salvation. And get this, Jesus' plan of salvation for us was foreordained before the world was ever created. I've said this before. I love going to the the museum, and you see that old dinosaur bone that they say is 16 kabillion trillion gajillion years old, right? And you're thinking, man, that bone's been in the ground a long time. You know that before that bone was ever in the ground, God had a plan of salvation for you already set up before the earth was ever put here? So you look at that bone guy, you're not that old, man. God was thinking about me before that bone was ever there. Before the foundation of the world, it has zero to do with your money or who you think you are, or your status has nothing to do with that. This was planned and set up by God before everything was made, and Peter said that they had seen him, Jesus had been revealed to them, made manifest for their benefit. God's plan of salvation is not only eternal future for us, God's plan of salvation is eternal past for us, who were yet to get here. That don't play with your mind. I don't know what will. But do you see how much value you have? Anybody that came in here today thinking you weren't worth anything, I hope you discovered how much value you have now that you were thought about before the world was here. God says, I'm going to save that person. I'm going to save her. I'm going to save him. And he set it up before anything was here. He was thinking about you. Don't come in here now thinking I'm worthless. You are priceless. Look at this, God's word. Jesus was foreordained to come and die for you to be saved. Now look at your value in this verse. Let me show it to you. I want you to see how much you're worth. Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world. (laughs) That's you in there. That's the Lord God saying, I want you. I love you. I want to draw you to myself. I want to give you the most incredible blessing of eternal life for all eternity. And he had this in mind for you before he did anything else. You know, you read Genesis 1, God created light. He created the world and all that. You know, he was thinking of you before that. How can you think you're worthless after knowing this? You are so incredibly priceless with great value. And so because he chose us before the world, Peter said God also foreordained Jesus too before the foundation of the world to come and save us. God chose Jesus before the world, and he chose you before the world. How can you not be thankful after hearing this? And the best part about Jesus paying for our sins is that he did not stay dead. I had always heard my whole life, Jesus died for your sins on the cross, and that's all they told me. They didn't tell me he didn't stay dead. I thought, well, he died. Okay, great. Doesn't sound like a big victory there, but he rose again. If Jesus had stayed dead, yeah, your sins would be paid for, but we'd all be dead. When we died, that was it. Paid for sins, great, but you're not going any further. Paid for, but dead. That, there's no victory in paid for, but dead. Peter said it's the fact that God raised Jesus up from the dead and gave Jesus glory that we can have our faith and hope in God. Because if God raised Jesus up, and if we're in him, then God can raise us up too. Jesus is raised to life, and I can go with him. If Jesus stayed dead, I'd have stayed dead. That's not how it's going to work anymore. Jesus is an eternal life with God the Father. I'm going to be there too someday. So Peter just eliminated everybody's place to put their hope in money. He says, you can't put your hope in stature anymore because all of this was set up in before the world was ever here, before your money was here, before your status was here, before your great career was here. All the, You were thought up in, in, to be saved in Jesus Christ before all of this was even here. So all that stuff that you've been putting your faith in has nothing to do with it. So put your faith and hope in him and in nothing else. 1 Peter 1.22 says of the enduring word, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another. You know what fervently looks like? That means you really love them. If you love people, you'll want to be out there with them. You'll want to. You won't just sit in your house and play video games and God save everybody. No, pick up the ball and run. Play fervently. Play like you want to win. He said, love fervently with a pure heart. And you know, living holy demands that we be cleaned up. Let me put it that way. I used to be a dirty old dog, and the Lord God cleaned me up. And obeying the truth of God's word, it will purify your soul. The soul is where you make your decisions. It's where you, you choose. It's your free will. When you purify your soul, it means your decision-making, the way you see things, how you live life, it'll get cleaned up. You know, when you get saved, you'll think of things different. Things that you had an opinion on one way or the other, God will change that opinion. When you get saved, he'll change the way you think because he's going to purify your soul. Also, trials, they refine your faith. Just as obedience to God, it will refine your character. You will be a new person. You will be so different after you get saved. And people are going to say, like they asked me, Ray, what in the world happened to you? I said, it was nothing in the world. It was something of heaven. To say, what in, what in heaven happened to me? I got saved by Jesus. That's why I look different. All these people that don't think you have to read God's word, though, and I get this all the time. 
Well, Ray, you're a pastor. You always go around thumping the Bible all the time. You don't have to read God's word. Okay, if you don't have to read God's word, how can your souls be purified? Peter said that a changed life will cause you to want to have fellowship with the word of God. It'll want you to have fellowship with other believers. Love of the of the brethren. The same lazy people say, you don't have to go to church to be saved. I hear that a lot. No, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You believe in Jesus to be saved. But if you're truly saved, your life will be so changed, you're going to want to be around the church. You're going to want to be around the brethren because you love them. Whatever you love is what you're going to spend your time with. Whatever you don't spend any time with, it's obvious you don't love it. If you love the believers, you'll spend time with them. You're going to want to obey God's truth rather than living on your own terms. The people that go crazy and they react because they don't have grace that teaches them self-composure, they're living by their own terms. They're not living according to the Word of God. They live the way they want to live. I find it incredible how many people claim to be saved, but they don't love people. They hate everybody. I hate traffic. I hate Houston. I hate what people do. I hate the government. I hate the Democrats. I hate the Republicans. I hate the liberals. I hate the conservatives. I hate this. I hate that. They hate everything. You're really a believer in Jesus Christ. You're going to love people, and it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what I've done. Jesus loves me. When people don't obey God's truth, they're basically displaying their rejection of God while claiming to love God, and they don't even know why they're acting the way they do. The Word of God is eternal, it's powerful, and friends, while we're here, while you're here, while we got you here, the Word of God is worth proclaiming. You don't proclaim the Word of God. You need to start. Well, I don't know much. That's okay. Start reading. You can learn a little bit. 1 Peter one twenty three. having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God. There it is. Look at that. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word by which by the gospel was preached to you. Friends, life is short. I know it seems long, but it's real quick. It comes and goes, but God's word stands forever. That's why we're reading it. This is the word of God where I'm not just telling you my opinion. It's the word of God. It stays forever. You're going to lose everything down here that you've got except what the word of God gives you eternally. But remember that Peter was writing to tired workers. They were tired, tuckered out. By the end, near end of a game in the fourth quarter, we football players were tired. And so these people were tired. They had suffered persecution because they were carrying the gospel of Jesus to the lost. They've been beat up on. I'm telling you, you carry the football a lot. You're going to get pounded a lot because people are trying to stop you. Satan will try to stop you from carrying the word of God. And so Peter reminded them that the word of God is eternal. The new life that they now had, it would never come to an end because that new life came to them through God's word, which is eternal. If God's word never ends, then also our new life in Jesus will never end either. It goes on. It continues. Peter backed up this claim that it lasts forever by quoting the prophet Isaiah from chapter 40 as a second witness to confirm it. Friends, God's word is the foundation of our teaching. When we tell others how to be saved, don't just tell them by your opinion. Give them Bible verses. Well, I don't know any Bible verses about salvation, Ray. John 3.16 is a good place to start. We can't be silent. 
about the good news of God's word because it will affect the hearer with life-changing power, with the power to be saved. Now, there may be some of you, you're tired. Maybe you're even distracted. Maybe some of you, you've always been distracted. You've never had your mind on kingdom things. I'd like to be the coach that helps you by saying, let's get your head in the game. Let's get in the game. I'm a, I'm a distracted guy too. Even I got to stop and get my head in the game. So don't think I'm talking down. Let's all get our head in the game together. The job of a coach is to equip his players and teach the team how to advance the ball down the field. The job of a pastor is to advance the gospel and to equip his people. So I need to equip and teach you how to advance the gospel. And here's how I do it from Ephesians 4.12. It says that God gave some to be pastors and teachers for what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I want to build up the body of Christ. The way I'm going to build up the body of Christ is by equipping you to take the gospel out. We're not going to grow this church by putting ads in the paper. We're not going to grow this church by putting billboards up. The way we grow this church, really and biblically, the way God wants it, is by telling people how they can be saved. Don't just sit back and expect me to come up with some social media miracle uh, promotional project that's going to make all these people show up. It's not going to work like that. We grow this church by all of us playing together, focusing on grace, girding up the loins of your mind, taking the gospel out to the, to the world, advancing that ball down the field together as a team. So I talked about how we geared up for football. We put on the cleats, we put on the shoulder pads and the helmets. So I got to equip you for ministry service as well. So you're thinking, Ray, what do I need to put on then? I'm the coach. I'm going to equip you. So here we go. It's Ephesians 6.14. It says, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. That's found in God's word having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, I don't read the word of God. Today's a good day to start. That's the gear you need to put on. So guys, put on your gear. Let's go out on the field. Let's advance that ball. Let's advance the gospel down to the goal line. While we're here, I know it's tiring, but while we're here, let's go win, okay? Actually, the victory's already been guaranteed for us because Jesus already won. (laughs) I hope you're encouraged to keep on going and sharing the gospel of Jesus. I know it puts you out there as a target of persecution, and you're going to be hated for it, but God's word is eternal, and God will help you. God will block for you. He will tackle for you. You just need to do what he tells you to do. We need to obey. Amen? Pray with me, and you can be saved in your chair right now. Here's how it works. Father, forgive me. I sinned. I broke your law, and I know I did, and I'm sorry. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and paying that penalty, for paying what I broke, and thank you for coming to get me. I give you my life. I will turn from my old wife, and I will now follow you. You are now my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you. Show me what to do. I will be your servant. In Jesus' name, amen, and thank you for the gift of eternal life. You just got saved in your chair right there if you followed that prayer and believed it. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.